0: But the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Against such thing there is no law. We're going to be continuing in our sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit today. And today we're addressing the topic of gentleness. All right, Gentleness is an interesting topic. Who here, whenever you think of things that uh, one should recognize as a, a trait of godliness, would consider gentleness to be one of those things? What do you think of when you think of gentleness? Toss out some words. I'm going to need you to do more talking because I can't do as much today. Gentleness. What do you think of? Compassion. Compassion. What else? Mercy. Treating others kindly. I like yours. We'll get back to it. What else do we got? Tender. Tenderness. Uh, what about softness? Right? So, fun story. In our culture... Gentleness is not generally considered a good thing, right? I mean, look at the people that we look up to on things like TV. Uh, there's, there's House. Of course, I'm going to give you references from at least 10 years ago <laughs> because I have a Netflix subscription, so I watched nothing recent, okay? There's House, right? We love House. He was not a gentle man. Psych. I love Psych. Sean Spencer. Very funny and sharp-witted. Wouldn't really consider him gentle usually, right? Think about any uh, Sherlock, if we want to go more recent, right? Sherlock on the BBC. How gentle is Sherlock? Or Watson, for that matter, <laughs> right? We tend to think of our heroes as abrupt and hard and quick-witted and uh, so good at what they do that it doesn't matter how harsh they are. And they somewhat have a right to be harsh, right? Because all of the other people around them are just too dumb to understand what they're saying, Right? We see harshness as something that we appreciate. My goodness, if you don't think that's a cultural thing, just look at who won the previous election. I don't know if... Like, his politics aside, whether or not you agree or disagree with his policies, we can pretty much all agree that gentleness is not one of that man's main qualities. Right? All right. We don't think of gentleness often as something to be admired. Fun story, though. Within uh, Greek culture, especially, this concept of gentleness is not something that was always looked down upon. Gentleness could be a trait of a strong character or a trait of a weak character, right? And largely that's because people who are strong can choose to be gentle, right? And so a strong character can show gentleness, and it could be a good and qualifying, quality thing. Or a weak person can be forced to show gentleness because harshness will just get them punishment, right? It was kind of a neutral concept. It could be good or bad, depending on the individual who was displaying it. Which way do you think it's likely Paul was speaking about it? whenever he is quoting the fruit of the Spirit? As something a strong person or one who has uh, a good understanding of who they are or their place, choosing to act gently instead of justly? Or do you think he's talking about someone who is so weak-willed they can't help but answer softly because they have no right or place to speak more harshly? Right. If you want to know how gentle can be, defined it's usually easiest to look at it in the things that it's opposite of right so proverbs 15 gives us a pretty good idea of what they mean by harshness versus gentleness right a gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger so gentleness is the opposite of harshness even when harshness is appropriate (laughs) gentleness is the opposite of harshness Or there's this one. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break bone. Gentleness can be a sign of strength, and it can be used in such a way as well, right? But gentleness is this. Gentleness is the choice to not respond in a perfectly just manner, generally with your words, right? So for example, if my daughter were to come to me and be like, Dad, what's up? See that tree over there? Yeah. That tree is made of candy. I could respond harshly, no, that's dumb. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why would you consider a tree made of candy? You're going to eat tree for the rest of the week, and you'll tell me if it's candy. All right? I don't know, right? I'm not really good at harsh, okay? I I am, actually. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not good at making up harsh things. All right. Or you could answer gently, well, honey, you know, uh, I appreciate your concept. Why do you think a tree is made of candy? So what's your concept behind this? Okay. No, trees are actually made of wood. Let's go take a look. All right. You can answer gently. A good example of this throughout the week. I have been wrestling getting internet into this building. Wrestling getting internet into this building. I have been working so hard to get internet over here. And the reason why it's not here yet is largely because a couple of people in customer service made some mistakes whenever they were setting up our account and shifting it over, right? They didn't put one thing in right, so it got rejected by their quality people. And they didn't look at it. And they waited two days. And I called them. They're like, oh, it got stuck. And then I called back. And I'm like, well, are you are going to fix it? And they fixed it. And then they didn't notice they did something else wrong. And the same thing happened. And it's just been an ongoing process getting this done, right? Now, at some point or another... It would be reasonable and right for me to call back angry and to begin unloading on these customer service agents, right? Uh, at least the ones who caused the problem at first. It could be reasonable, right? But fun story, for five years, whenever I was first a pastor, I worked phone customer service for FedEx, OK? And I have dealt with mistakes that I've made that caused people issues. And I've, just, I've dealt with things that aren't even my fault that have caused people issues. And I've dealt with people over the phone for years. So one thing I decided to do after I was done with that job forever, and oh, it was wonderful when I was done with that job forever. But whenever I was finally done, I made a point to decide that I'm always going to be gentle whenever I'm speaking to people over the phone, specifically customer service agents, because they get a hard enough job already. People are yelling at them all day. They have unreasonable expectations, usually from the managers above them. Super high turnover rate, very stressful job. I'm a pretty high-stress individual. I kind of thrive on stress, and I literally thought I was having a heart attack at the end of my tenure there. I ended up going to the hospital
1: because
0: I was so stressed out. All right? So instead, I called, like, the, the, finally my final straw was I called back in. I'm like, hello, hey. Hey, just so you know, I did phone customer service for five years at FedEx, so I'm not going to yell at you. <laughs> Though I would like you to look at the situation and understand it would be appropriate for me to do so. I need to speak to someone with enough authority to make sure this issue will get resolved. So please put me to whoever that is. We'll find out on Monday if it's resolved. Or if I have to go and be gentle again. Okay? (laughs) But gentleness is making a decision to not act as harshly as justice may allow okay harshness could be a reasonable response in the world gentleness is choosing not to show it now you may be thinking fine don't be mean that's easy what i'm hearing in all this is don't be a jerk fine but sometimes it's really hard not to be a jerk (laughs) i know if any of you have worked closely with me you've probably realized that sometimes I do a bad job of not being a jerk. I would contend if you looked at me 16 years ago and worked with me then versus working with me now, I have come a long way in not being jerky. Christ has brought me a long way. But you may be wondering, what does this have to do with the gospel? What does this have to do with being a follower of Christ? What does it have to do with anything, right? Fun. Matthew 21.5. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Your king comes to you gentle or gently. See, with all of the fruit of the spirit, every one of them, there's not a thing in them that does not point to Jesus because If that's how we as followers of Christ are called to act, the only reason for it is because that's how Christ himself acted. That's how Christ himself lived. And Christ was perfect, perfectly God, perfectly man. And being perfect, if that's how he chose to present himself to the world, what do you think we're supposed to do as people? Not even just as followers, but just as people in general. If that's what a perfect person does, what should we as people do? Check this out. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus is calling out to his people and he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The reason why we can approach Christ is because of his gentleness as Jake pointed out it's because of his mercy. Gentleness is mercy in action. And if he is merciful, we are called to be merciful. Because he is gentle, we can go to him and look for rest. Because he is gentle, we can give up our burdens and take his. Because he is gentle, we can find rest for our souls. want to see one of my favorite places to see a demonstration of jesus's gentleness it's in a section of scripture that's kind of fun because a section of scripture is actually if you ever read in any modern bible it's gonna have a bunch of brackets and parentheses around it all over the place because in the earliest manuscripts this portion of scripture literally jumps around okay so it's sometimes in john 8 it's sometimes after john 7 26 it's Actually, in like very rare circumstances, but in a couple of early manuscripts, it's actually in Luke. <laughs> okay? So it's a section of scripture. It's a story about Jesus that likely was not in the original gospel accounts. But the church, from time immemorable, has looked at this section of scripture and said it is valuable and worth remembering because it points out something about Jesus. And so it has become canonized along with the rest of scripture, even though we don't quite know who wrote down this memory of what Christ did. But it says this, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who had heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said then neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. You see, in this story, we see someone confronted with sin. And there's a whole bunch of things that are messed up with the story. The first being that if they caught her in the act of adultery, who did they catch her with? Where's that person? Okay? So they're trying to punish one party for adultery and not the other, which is interesting in and of itself. And they bring her and throw her before Jesus, who is claiming to be an authoritative teacher and claiming to speak as one who has the authority to interpret the laws of Moses, right? And they're doing this because Jesus himself has proclaimed many things throughout his ministry, including things like simply seeing someone or lusting after someone is the equivalent of adultery. So Jesus is harsh in the way he uses the law, right? And so they bring this woman to him and say, look, the law of Moses says we're supposed to kill her. We're supposed to stone her to death. Fun story, they were not legally allowed to stone her to death because the Romans had taken over at this point, and the Romans instituted a law wherein they're the only ones who were allowed to effect capital punishment. That's why the Jewish people threw Jesus before Pilate as opposed to killing them himself, killing him themselves, okay? So they were bringing Jesus over and saying, ha-ha, we've trapped you. You're supposed to kill this woman, and you've been a teacher of the law and proclaiming it, but you can't, and honestly, in Roman law general adultery usually won't get you the death penalty. And so if you say, hand her over to the Romans, you're giving up God's law. If you say, kill her now, you're breaking the law, and you're not supposed to do that either. Ha ha, we got you. Because sometimes the teachers of the law were super jerky and willing to use a random person's life as a pawn to try and get a teacher thrown out, which really kinds of sucks. Just throwing that out there. But Jesus could have spoken harshly both to The woman who was caught in adultery because he has the right to but he also could have spoken super harshly to the people who were trying to trap him right he could have just ripped them a new one if you don't think jesus could have pulled them apart and broken down their argument you haven't read much of what he said he could have destroyed their arguments easily in the same way he could have just like snapped his fingers and had angels show up behind him like he can do whatever he wants he could have been so harsh to them and his response is to stop and not respond and just sit down and start writing in the dirt we have no idea what he wrote doesn't matter really he's just writing on the ground and then he says let the one of you who has no sin be the first to cast a stone at her if you've never done anything that's worthy of death you go ahead and throw that first stone and Jesus can say this because he knows them Intimately and deeply, not a one of them is guilt-free. None of them are guiltless. And so he can yell to them. He can say to them, feel free to throw a stone if you don't deserve one as well. Because he knows no one can then. And the wisest ones at first, the oldest ones, get what he's saying and say, oh, crap, and drop their stones and walk away. Always funny. Always funny. If we look at people, they tend to mellow out in their oldness, right? They gain a little bit of wisdom as they get older usually. And then he's left standing with this woman who was caught in adultery. And he looks up at her and he says, where are they? Where would everybody go? Did no one condemn you? And she says, No. So she's left standing and facing the one person who could have thrown a stone at her if he wanted to. The one person without sin. Not saying he ever would. Like, I'm pretty much arguing right now that it would have been completely outside of his character to do so. But he could legally have if he wanted to. He said, where are they? Where is everybody? Do they condemn you? None of them condemned you? And she says, no one. He says, I don't condemn you either. Go. Leave your life of sin. He answers her completely gently. He diffused the situation with a gentle word to the people who were trying to stir up dissension. And then he was gentle to the one that they were using as well. Perfectly gentle. If gentleness is mercy in action... And on the cross, Christ showed immense gentleness. He offered us freedom. He offered us mercy that we never deserved. He didn't have to, but he chose to. He chose to show mercy whenever mercy is not a requirement. Honestly, it wouldn't be mercy otherwise. And he calls for us to be merciful like him, to speak and be gentle like him. See, Christ showed immense gentleness. The one person who could, without failing, who could, without any issue, have chosen to not act out in gentleness. He could have acted out in judgment and harshness and wrath. He chose instead to act out in gentleness, in perfect love. That's the essence of the gospel. He is gentle to you. Because he loves you. If you are ever wondering, if you just feel worthless and broken and sinful and like a horrible human being, please know that Jesus loves you and looks upon you with gentle eyes. And yes, he doesn't like your sin. But he loves you. He cares about you. We see Jesus' gentleness displayed in that while we are all sinners, he died for us. And that while we are still all sinners, whenever we see him in paradise, he will look at us and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Not because he's looking on us, but because he's giving us what he deserves. If that's how your God treats you, how are you called to treat others? And check this out. In First Peter three fifteen and 16, we see this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do so with gentleness and respect. Right? This quality is what separates a loving and godly church that teaches good theology from a hellfire and brimstone church that goes out and like pickets random funerals to an extent, both are saying the same thing. Jesus is your only hope. You need him. He is what the world needs, and without him, the world is crap and horrible. Right? To note, that is the theology we teach. You need Jesus, and the world sucks. Right? The difference is that we say so gently and with respect, whereas they're going and basically celebrating their harshness. They revel in the fact that they're hated. And they try to instigate further hatred or enmity between the world and themselves. Seems like a weird thing for a follower of Jesus to do, try to instigate enmity. Anywho, you should be ready to proclaim Christ to people whenever they have a question about it. that literally says at point, some point in your life, someone's going to walk up and be like, why do you have this hope? What is it? Why do you seem like you have hope even though the world is horrible? You should have an answer for them. And that answer should be gentle and respectful of that person. (coughs) Please forgive my coughing. Keeping a clear conscience that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed by their slander. This is a fun part too. It basically says, be so gentle that those who are harsh to you will eventually feel ashamed of themselves. <laughs> if I speak a harsh word to someone and they speak a harsh word back and I continue that process over and over again, the person that I was first a jerk to is never going to feel as if they're doing anything wrong. Heck, even if someone speaks harshly to me first, and then I answer back extremely harshly. And then that starts the war going off. If I answer back like a super jerk they're never going to feel like they've done anything wrong. But if I continuously respond in gentleness and respectfully, eventually they may say, (sighs) crap, I'm just sort of beating up on a person who doesn't deserve to be beat up on. Fun story from customer service time. There were two two types of ways I would generally deal with customers who were being unfairly harsh to me. The first one was to get harsh back and explain to them exactly why they are wrong and dumb. And why I will not be helping them with the issue they wanted and if they had just been nice I would have helped them but nope now you get to wait four extra days for your package right I could have got there tomorrow but you were mean (laughs) that's harsh right and that would usually start an anger war back and forth that would escalate to them asking for my manager which happens I was kind of harsh at times but then I found something out if no matter how hard someone yelled at me if I was kind and respectful to them, eventually they would lose steam and apologize to me because of how much of a jerk they're being. It's kind of hilarious, actually. I could just, I'm so sorry that that happened. I apologize. I know that it's stressful. I understand. Here's the work I'm doing. I'm so sorry. I'll do what I can. I don't quite know what that is yet, but please allow me to work with you. No, you have every right to be angry. I understand. Like, being gentle towards them, eventually they would break. Not everyone. There were a couple that were kind of fun. But eventually they would break and say, you know what? I'm so sorry I'm yelling. I'm just so frustrated. And it's not about you. I know you're just a random person on the phone. Yeah. Hey, thank you for recognizing I'm a human. I appreciate it. Being gentle could turn away their wrath. As a follower of Christ, you should be gentle with those around you. Because in doing so, you may turn away their wrath. They may be more likely to hear what you're saying and hear about the God you're proclaiming. How much are we supposed to do this? Check this out. In one of Paul's big buildups, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with. He literally says, Since you are God's people, chosen by him, holy that's who you are. Literally wrap yourself in these things. And he says, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This should be what people see when they see you. You should literally put these things on every day. It's amazing how many times I hear Christians talking about how I wake up every morning and throw on the armor of God. God. But I rarely hear Christians say, I wake up every morning and clothe myself in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But that's what we need to do every day if we're going to be reaching out to a world who is in some way, shape, or form in strife with God. Bear with each other. Forgive each other. And if any of you has agreements against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. He literally ties your forgiveness to his own as well. The mercy you show should be the same as the mercy he showed you. Then, my favorite is over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The thing that makes these virtues matter is the way in which you love. So, show your love. So, what's my takeaway in this? simple one is this remember again that the fruit of the spirit are things that christ brings out in you as you grow as a follower of his right it's work that he does in your life and grows in your life so you can try and mimic it or force it but if you're trying to do it in your own power you're kind of just missing out on the entire purpose of this it's about submission to christ himself right if you lack a gentle spirit It's likely not because you're just being mean. It's probably because you still haven't submitted your whole self to Christ. So do it. Give yourself over to him. Submit to him. Ask him for your help. For for help. Ask him to build up gentleness in you. Pray that he would empower you. To be good and kind and gentle to a world that is around. And then, honestly, guys, practice it as best you can. Because he will grow it in you, but you can choose not to do it. (laughs) Right? He can be making you a gentle person, and you can choose to say, even though I know I'm supposed to be gentle, my personality says I want to be harsh, so I'm going to be harsh. Be willing to give up that part of yourself if necessary. I want you to do one thing this week. Pretty much everyone in here interacts with someone on a customer service basis, right? You interact with waitresses, waiters, baristas, phone customer service people, uh, someone else who is in some way, shape, or form working in a service industry and kind of working for you, right? There's this weird phenomenon that happens among people whenever we have someone working for us, quote, unquote. We tend to think we can treat them like dirt, because they don't matter. They work for me. I can throw poo at them if I want to. Please don't throw poo at your service industry people. I'm throwing that out there. Huh? Just it out there. Yeah, just throwing it out there. Not like poo. All right. The next time you actually go to have something done or that you're looking at a customer service person, I want you to stop and recognize them as an individual as a person beloved by God if you have to make a phone call to a random customer service for Comcast or whatever this week I want you to stop and remember the person you're going to be talking to is a person beloved by God unless the machines have gotten good enough yet that I'm just talking to a robot and don't know it and that's just a robot you can be harsh it's fine yeah. huh well then be gentle to your robot overlord James alright If your waitress or waiter makes a mistake whenever you're at a restaurant, be gentle with them. Fun story. You'll usually get more stuff free when you do that. I know. I was a waiter for a long time, too. (laughs) Be kind to those who the world would often consider beneath you because you recognize they're not beneath you. (laughs) Make sense? Yeah. As you go today, proclaim Christ's goodness. Proclaim his gentleness. Proclaim his mercy with your actions and with your words. Because you have a gentle God who loves you and answered you gently whenever you called for his help. Amen. I'm going to bring up Jake for communion. And I'm going to probably go into the back into a coughing fit.
1: So you get to go from one sick pastor to another sick pastor. Um, but uh, in, the, in the mindset of gentleness, um, I initially always think when we do communion and stuff like that, and the aspect of what Christ gave, and I think of um, the thief on the cross and the response that Christ has that you'll enjoy eternity with me today. Um, it's not a, um, when you do this right, when you submit appropriately, when you, you know, got rid of this sin in your life. It was a recognition of who Christ was and that submission of just like, I recognize him as Lord and Savior, and he is just as much entitled to the eternal kingdom that we are. Um, so there's that one perspective. This is how Christ responds to someone that is literally being crucified, and his response is, you get rewarded based off of what I'm doing. Um, another one is um, David Platt. I think it's in his book, Radical. He talks about um, the distinction of our faith um, compared to the other world religions. And one of the biggest distinguishing factors of Christianity is forgiveness, mercy, and gentleness, um, is that this is how we're called to respond. And what he talks about is he was sitting down, sounds like a bad bar joke, but he was sitting down with a, um, a Muslim and a Jew, and they were, um, or a rabbi rather, want wouldn't just be a Jew, as was a rabbi, and they were discussing about how all religions lead to the same God, right? So they all... Lead to the same source. So, say God's like on this mountaintop. Uh, and if you all go up to the mountaintop, it just leads to the same God. And then what Platt said back in response is like, but consider the fact that in Christianity, that God left the mountain and walked all the way down and met you at the bottom and said, okay, I'm going to carry you up. That's the, there's a distinction there. One, you are working towards it. The other, it doesn't matter how much you work towards it or not, Christ has already done it. So, this idea of gentleness, this is how Christ responds, this is what separates us from other world religions. Um, And lastly, um, I think of when Chris did the restaurant stuff, that was the first job I really had. And uh, there's these old ladies that would come, and we used to call them the fish ladies. And they would complain about everything. The fish was never good, no matter how well-prepared it was. Um, The room was always too cold or too warm. Um, They were never sitting in the spot that they wanted. And so eventually it got to the point where um, people were getting so irritated that people were like, Jake, if you just take care of them, and you serve them in the sense of being their waiter, like, we will do all your nighttime, like, closing stuff. And I was like, all right. So initially, it wasn't out of gentleness, that so I was going to do this. It was like, I don't have to do any work for tonight, you know? So I go to their table, and she starts freaking out and stuff like that. I was like, well, do you want me to move you to another table? And she's like, yeah. And I said, well, where would you like to go? And so we went to wherever they wanted to go. And she's like, oh, it's too cold. And it's like, okay. Um, now keep in mind, there's other customers around here. They might get too hot, but I'll turn it up. What temperature do you like? They're like, this, okay. And so she goes through that, and I said, now for your fish. I said, I know every single time we make it, it's never made the way that you want it. So I said, how would you like it made? She said, you know, whatever. And so at that point, it was a really small restaurant, so I was both the cook and the waiter. So I went in the back, made it it how she wanted it, brought it back out. She still didn't like it, but she said it was better than what it was before. And so we continued to do that. um, But as she was eating, I noticed that she was choking on her food, and she was getting it all over herself and stuff like that. And God just compelled me, just like, I call you to give wholly of yourself and submit wholly, not just in the things that she's irritated about, but see the needs that she has or even the ones that she has that she's not even talking about. So I went out, and I got this bib for her. And I went out there, and she asked me to put it on her. So I put this bib on her. And at that moment, she just started, like, breaking down and was just like, no one's ever shown me that sort of compassion. No one's ever shown me that sort of care. And the following weeks that came, she was no longer this angry fish lady anymore. She was nicer to the other waiters and stuff like that. And the moral of the story is I only got a tip of four quarters. No, that's not the moral of the story. But the moral of the story is that, like, sometimes God will call you and compel you to keep giving and giving and to the point of you're recognizing what they need or what they may want beyond what they're asking for. So as we encounter many people, whether it's the service industry or just even people within our church, Um, responding with that gentleness and not holding previous grudges of, you know, well, this is how they've acted before in the past, or this is a sin that they may have committed recently, or this is something they've done against me. Um, I get to do it weekly when I play Destiny with Lambert and Dave, you know, like when we'll be playing, I'm just like, why'd you do that? You know, so, um, but you can practically do it in everything that you do. Recognize that there's a moment where that anger can flare up, where the frustration can flare up, that harshness can flare up, and being able to recognize that is one of the first steps of saying, okay, now this is an opportunity to be gentle. When that anger hits, think this is a response of mercy, not a response of let me just lash out. Um, so as you, whatever you do, whether it's a video game, whether it's doing serving stuff, whether it's just encountering people on a regular basis, one of the ones that's hard for me is driving. can't stand when people cut me off, and it's consistent. Like Dave all the time is like, why are people the worst drivers when I'm with you? Consistently, but it's an opportunity for me to practice that discipline of just like, yeah, you almost killed me and my kid, but I need to be merciful. I need to, maybe something's going on. Maybe they're rushing to the hospi- hospital. Maybe, you know, they're trying to get on. You know, not be late for their first date or something. You know, those things is be praying. Uh, there's always an opportunity to be merciful for those people. So as you come up and participate in communion, remember that Christ broke Himself and was merciful to the thief as much as He was merciful to us. Um, that He came down from that mountaintop um, to meet us where we are that um, it's practical in everyday life, not just a deep spiritual life, um, from something as silly as, you know, like I said, your video games to your work, to your life, to your spouse. Um, Be merciful in all that you do. There's a reason why the Orthodox Church consistently will always say throughout their services, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. At first, for you to be merciful, you have to recognize that you need that mercy as well, that we are not perfect, that we are not the judge and the authority of who gets to give gentleness or receive gentleness or harshness but only Christ is, and Christ's response is gentleness. So remember that, meditate on that, and feel free to come up and participate in communion whenever you're ready.